Live from Atlantic Radio Network in Coral Gables, Florida. I've had an epiphany every Thursday and Friday. You mean a sudden revelation about the essence of existence? This is the Rich Rothman Show. No, uh, no, what's the word? 1360 WKAT. Come on. Welcome back. This is Rich Rothman. Uh, it's 505 on 1360 WKAT, and I'm on the phone with Richard Milstein, a uh, well-known attorney from Miami. Richard, how are you? Okay, how are you doing all right? Making sure you're still there, yeah. Um, uh, it's very interesting. It, you're, uh, what I am told is that you're the only board-certified elder law attorney in Miami-Dade County. What, is, what does that mean? Well, uh, it means that I have an expertise in elder law. Uh, because, it, okay, let me start over. Elder law is a segment of the law that deals with people who are over 55 years of age. Oh, okay, so obviously it's for the word elder. Right. But but you deal to a great degree in aspects of, you know, estate planning for elderly or alternative families and for same-sex couples. And my primary area is the litigation portion of it, which is the fiduciary litigation of trust, probate, and guardianship. Uh-huh. And we do some of the planning as well. Uh, and my... my uh, colleagues do the planning with me. Um, elder law also consists of Medicare planning, or excuse me, Medicaid planning, uh, and other forms of planning so that the elderly are, are available for governmental benefits if they don't have financial means. Uh, that's another aspect of elder law, and we don't, I don't personally do that. There are many, there are many people in my gotcha. to do it, but uh, I'm the first one to have been certified, partly maybe because I was the one that chaired the committee to found the certification and wrote the first exam. Okay. So uh, that helped. <laughs> but you do have a great interest in, in same-sex couples and and, yeah. and, and and the legalities of that. Yes. And and Because I, I know that you've spoken on that, and I, I try to get to one of your uh, lectures. You spoke at the, the uh, Tower Club a number of months ago. That's correct. And, and I, I just couldn't get there, and I was upset because I wanted to listen to you. But can you talk a little bit about the significance of this ruling in California? Um. Yes, I haven't fought, I've read the, I've skimmed the 157 page opinion from California that says there shall be equal marriage rights between individuals, is what it comes down to. That it doesn't matter if they're heterosexual uh, or, they're, they're, or they're homosexual, that gay marriages should take place. It's also significant that has not been played up in the press is there were a number of briefs that were filed to stay the institution of this, uh, um, Marriage, uh, I think starting June 17th, uh, California is supposed to institute the, uh, the same-sex couple marriage issue. And there are a number of briefs that were filed to stay it, meaning to delay it until there could be a referendum that's supposed to be held in, in uh, November. The courts denied that and said, no, it needs to go forward. So it's been very strong and very particular that full rights are to be given to people that want to marry, whether they're a same-sex couple or not. Can we talk about that for a second? Because that is a major problem for many people in the United States. I don't mean a major problem for people who are heterosexual dealing with a homosexual relationship out there. What I'm talking about is for homosexual, for same-sex couples to get the benefits of life going forward. And that, and, and, and that is a problem, is it not? It is. The issue is you get married and, and talk to, to people and you say, okay, we get married in Massachusetts or we get married in Canada, we get married in California. What does that do for us if we're residents in other cities, uh, other states? The answer is nothing unless those states will recognize it. One of the other breakthroughs that we've had uh, in the past week or so is the governor of um, 
New York said we need to address that issue. We need to start looking at the fact that New York has to recognize the rights of same-sex couples that marry outside of New York. And so that's the breakthrough we're having as well. Even though New York does not permit at this juncture same-sex couple marriage, it's now saying we should be recognizing those rights and determining what rights should be eligible. And what's happening even more, if I can get into it, sure, I want is to. not only the rights, it's the obligations. And the obligations that will go one to the other, uh, I'll just use the example of support. The word alimony just makes everyone chilled. Uh, Been there, did that. Pardon? Been there and did that. Okay. <laughs> understand. So reality becomes a same-sex couple that wants to get married now has that obligation uh, of support, and should that, that marriage fail, then there is that obligation to the other party. There are, there are uh, other legal ramifications, such as property ownership. Uh, there are death benefits. Uh, and there are other factors contained within whatever state it is. See, I can I can think of very obvious being the laity, but the for example, a dealing with a hospital. If if you're a same sex, you may have a problem dealing with your partner who's in the hospital. You may not be able to do certain things for that partner. I'm just making this up, but I think that maybe that's, that's out there. That's absolutely correct. You know that that's one. Number two, what about Social Security? That's not available no matter what we do, but that's a federal that's a federal uh, grant. But, but if someone, if in a heterosexual marriage, I'm married, my wife and I are together, um, I pass away, there are benefits that may accrue to my wife, I That's think. Absolutely correct. As long as you're married a long enough period of time. Yeah, all right. But it's there, it's on the books, it exists. But what if someone's together for a life relationship with another person and uh, they can't benefit from some of that and they and they suffer as a result? There's no question. Um, I, I have some cases right now where I represent uh, individuals, some pro bono, uh, that are in same-sex couple relationships that are now in destitute, death, dire straits or destitute because they were living on Social Security, Social Security benefits from both of them. The partner is dead. The Social Security benefits have, have ceased. Uh, for the one partner, uh, the other partner is not able to get that or any increase as, as he would have, uh, and, uh, and now in a, in a very difficult situation. And in the two cases I'm handling right now, both of them have been together in excess of 25 years. Wow. So that, I mean, that defines life relationship, does it not? There's no question. So, and so what, in the reality of that, Richard, is there hope for, for that? I mean, do they have redress? Is there a remedy for that? Well, right now there isn't. Uh, we have DOMA, which is a federal federal statute that says that's not recognizing marriage. Uh, the state of Florida is the, mo is the most backward of all the states in dealing with same-sex issues. Why? Because we don't. We're one of the only state that does not permit gays to adopt. Uh, we have a, 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 a statute on the books on that. We have a statute in the books that says that marriage will uh, we, that will not permit marriage between uh, same-sex uh, couples. We have a statute on the books that says even same-sex couples cannot adopt each other uh, if under those circumstances if they're trying to give uh, certain rights between the other. Uh, so we have everything. That Florida has done everything it can to close the doors to relationships between same-sex couples. In addition to that. Now they've tried to, it's not even try, we have what's called Amendment 2, which is labeled in quotes the Marriage Protection Act. And in it is a, is a, 
they're doing this, in my opinion, on the basis of a same-sex couple concept. But reality is, I'll read you the words. Inasmuch as a marriage is the legal union of only one man and one woman as husband and wife. Okay, that's the same-sex couple issue. Right. No other legal union that is treated as a marriage or, this is the important part, or the substantial equivalent thereof shall be valid or recognized. That means that domestic partner rights will probably not be recognized. Michigan, I'll give you two examples. In Michigan, uh, we have similar language that was passed as part of their constitution. As of July 1st, the courts have upheld the statute, and as of July 1st, all domestic partner benefits through the educational system of the state are being disbanded with no medical coverage to domestic partners uh, in the state of Michigan as a result of the language here, because it's substantially equivalent thereof. And they're dismantling their domestic registries, they're dismantling domestic partner rights. It's taking away all of that. And that affects not only same-sex couples, but that affects the elderly, it affects heterosexual couples of all kinds. Heterosexual in the sense that they're not married, they're living together? Yes, unmarried, unrelated couples. Gotcha, okay. Uh, Anna Nicole Smith and Howard Stern. They're a prime example of unmarried, unrelated couple uh, that made the press. And there are the growing number of people like that in our society because they're either not choosing not to marry or they are ending their marriages and not remarrying. In the elderly, what we've found uh, is that people are not marrying because it preserves their pension rights, it preserves their health insurance rights from a former spouse in many cases. Right. Sometimes they get a higher Social Security benefit by not marrying because if they marry, they may reduce it. The statute's been changed and says that's not going to be the case any longer, but it may affect the pension. Uh, there are just a number of reasons people don't. They don't want to marry the elderly because, you know, then it means that the stepchildren may have a right to certain assets or whatever it is, so they don't marry. Uh, they hold themselves out as married. They may be domestic partners in that way. But they're not legally they're or they're not, not recognized under the law. Right. How, and, but they do have some, some other forms of union that are recognized. And so the substantial equivalent thereof would do away with a lot of the rights and obligations. You mentioned the hospital issue. Uh, acquaintance of mine recently, her boyfriend uh, had an injury. She went into the hospital with him in an emergency, and they just assumed she was his spouse, and she didn't say no. So she let, they let him in the emergency room. They mm -hmm. let her do all that. And she didn't have to present a marriage license. She didn't have to do anything other than that. But if a man goes in with his partner into the emergency room, they're not going to permit him in unless there's authority that's signed in advance for him to be able to see the partner or participate with the partner unless it happens to be in a city or state where there's a recognized domestic partner relationship or marriage. Let me ask you a question. Of the 50 states, um, for that specific situation in the hospital, uh -huh. how many states will accept uh, um, um, gay partners coming into the hospital and one making decisions for the other or being part of that decision-making process? I'm going to have to say I don't know. I can, I can tick off the fact that we have Connecticut, Vermont, New Hampshire, uh, I believe Maine, uh, Massachusetts, California, uh, all recognizing some form of civil union or marriage. Mm -hmm. uh, the other states, I, I, I have not done a survey of those of okay. states, all right. but the other states, for example, Florida will not do that. 
But let me ask you a question. Why is Florida such a – and I can see this in other areas because to me Florida is a very strange state um, for a lot of reasons. Don't get me started. But uh, uh, why are we such a conservative environment as it relates to this? Is, is this part of the religious Bible Belt thing that's up north, northern it, Florida? It's, uh, it, it is very much a conservative religious Bible Belt issue. Uh, the Christian Coalition was born in Miami-Dade County. 27 years ago, 28 years ago, let's see. Is this like Anita Bryan syndrome? That's the Anita Bryan syndrome. After the ordinance, after the, the ordinance was passed, and I guess it's going to be 30 years now, uh, the ordinance was passed, the human rights ordinance was passed in Miami-Dade County, which Ruth Jack, God bless her, uh, helped pass, uh, and it got defeated, uh, because after it was passed, Anita Bryant and the Christian Coalition was formed, it was called Save Our Children. Yeah, I remember that. And it big fight. Big fight. And it brought out all of the religious right and the homophobia that one could imagine. And It ended her career. It did end her career, but it also ended the human rights ordinance and put everything backwards for about 25 years. Wow. Uh, it took a long time. Uh, in Miami-Dade, it finally was upheld. It was passed and upheld. Uh, by a 52-48 margin. Uh, we just passed a, in Metropolitan Dade County, we passed the domestic partnership rights, uh, for Metro Dade employees. So they will be getting health insurance and other benefits, uh, through Metro, and it's taken all this time for the employees to get that from our largest employer in the county, the, you know, the, the, the county itself. Um, the, the University of Miami has it in their system, but it's a very, very slow process. We're much more a bifurcated state than people want to acknowledge. We're very conservative. It's not only north of Palm Beach, but we have a very conservative community within our community. Although Miami-Dade County seems to be a very liberal community in many areas, it is. But they, it, 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 only, it extends, if you do the demographics, to basically the east portion of Miami-Dade County. Uh -huh. uh, and as you start heading west and south and all, you have a much more conservative uh, uh, line of thinking than we currently have. Uh, Miami Beach is in many ways an anomaly. Miami Shores, uh, North Bay Village, Pinecrest, they've all passed uh, uh, human rights ordinances in essence within their, their jurisdictions. Miami Beach is, the, is, the, is probably the leading city in the country on this issue, having requir requires now that anyone that does business with them uh, give domestic partnership rights. Uh, it also has passed transgender and sexual uh, uh, identity uh, protections and rights as well. So it's far thinking uh, and advancing, and yet the population of Miami Beach, as to the same-sex couple, the LGBT community, uh, uh, lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender sure. community, that number is decreasing in population over the years because of the gentrification of the city. Yet it's still forward-thinking and saying this is what we need to do. Uh, it's setting the trend. I happen to be proud to say that's where I grew up in Miami Beach and that's where I currently live. So I'm real happy to see that that's what's occurred there. And they have a domestic, we have a domestic partnership uh, uh, registry there as well. That's terrific. Let me ask you a question because we're running out of time for the segment, and I and I so appreciate you I'll being on back. the show. We want no, we want you to come back. It's because any any more hour now costs you another five hundred dollars. I I know Ackerman is not an inexpensive firm, but uh, but no, are there any real quickie? Are there any benchmarks coming up that are important in this? Uh, I don't want to use the word battle, but in this is uh, struggle. Absolutely, the November 
election will also have this they will have this amendment to on the ballot. We have to vote no against it uh, because it's going to affect. Uh, it's not. It's not only going to affect same-sex couples. It's going to affect everyone that's in a relationship that's unmarried, unrelated. We already have a statute on the books that says marriage is between a man and a woman. Doesn't recognize it. We have the same thing coming up in essence in California. It should be on, in November uh, election as well. So we have a number of of uh, issues that are coming out throughout the country that are going to deal with with the uh, question of. Reality of same-sex marriages, reality of relationships between unmarried, un, uh, unmarried, unrelated couples, uh, and once we get past those, I think the nation will be able to see that there's been no harm. Uh, Massachusetts has been doing it for several years now. Vermont has civil unions, uh, New Hampshire, others, and they're finding that there is no hullabaloo, there is no basis for uh, discrimination in this way. Uh, you have to South Africa permits civil unions. Spain, uh, other portions of, of, of Europe permit this as well. We can't even seem to recognize those same rights. Uh, these countries have come much f further forward than we have as to non-discrimination issues. Well, you know, given the fact, and, and just on the heterosexual side alone, that over 50% of the marriages in this country fail, so we have a huge plurality out there of people who are, are a not married and or could be another plurality living together. Mm -hmm. I guess in the state of Florida that would be in sin. Uh, and and they and you're right they don't have certain inalienable rights no. that should be there. So it it really is a a broader discussion than most would think. It is a much broader discussion. And, and that's the message I think we need to get across. And, and I'm going to have to say goodbye right now, uh, sir, because I'm running out of time. But I, right. will you come back in the next few weeks? Anytime. Give me a call. It would be terrific. Again, uh, Richard Wilson. I won't Milstein. bill you either. And you what? I won't bill you. Well, just send it. Uh, yeah, we'll, <laughs> we'll give it to the station. Thanks an awful lot, Richard. Take care. Have a great weekend later. Take care. Bye-bye. Yeah, they'll love that. <laughs> <laughs> Especially KAT. Okay. But, you know, that was good. I, I, you know, he, for, he's terrific. Yeah. You know, I, I enjoyed that conversation a lot, and, and I really wanted to get more into it, but I was running out of time. I know it's a day for Richards. I got to tell you. I know. Yeah. You know. Um, okay, it's uh, 5:23. This is Rich Rothman. We're on the Rich Rothman Show. We're streaming live at therichrothmanshow.com at iTunes and 1360wkat.com. Uh, we have on the phone right now uh, Dick Stiglitz. Yes, we do. Hello. How are you? I'm doing great today. Well, that's terrific. And uh, you, are you are the man, and you're going to talk a little bit about uh, Washington Insider reveals why change may be harder than we think. And okay. uh, and let's just talk a little bit. Dick, you're a Ph.D. and a founder of a successful consulting firm that helps federal government agencies change the way they do business. Yes, I founded that company in the uh, first Reagan administration and, and just sold it about a year ago. So it's a whole series of presidents uh, where I had that company, and I actually worked for a consulting company uh, from the Carter administration, and I was a naval officer during presidents before that. Well, it's interesting. You are you are certified to, for nuclear engineering and served 10 years as a U.S. Navy officer on nuclear submarines. I refueled nuclear submarines in the height of the Cold War. Yes, I did. So, And I just read, uh, what is it, uh, Scorpion Down? I read two okay. books uh, that most recently that relate to uh, most people don't realize what was really going on with nuclear subs during the Cold War and the and the and the battles that were being waged battles in the sense of intelligence gathering such as the Scorpion and the and, um, 
Oh, my God. What's the other one they had? It goes back even to the late 40s. Uh, well, there's a whole series of them. Uh, actually, the, P. the submarine portion was the hot portion of the Cold War. Yeah, and, and, and the fact that they were uh, listening in on the actual communicative lines under the ice pack. Uh, actually, we went in, and this has been published, so I can yeah. talk about yeah, this exactly. uh, 40 years later. We actually went into Russian harbors, mm -hmm. uh, went down to the bottom of the harbor, uh, sent out divers tied into the telephone lines. Yeah, we tapped them. We tapped into them. Listening. We tapped into them. We recorded their information, and we would go back a half a year or a year later and uh, retrieve. And eventually they did other things to make it a little bit more successful for themselves. But very, very risky stuff. Yes. You know, very, very risky stuff. Well, let's talk a little bit about change. I mean, this is change is the buzzword right now, isn't it? It, it sure is. It was what uh, let Obama beat uh, Clinton, who, uh, gee, six months ago we'd say was a sure thing. It was. Now, let, let's just give you a little plug first, and then we'll go into it. You have two books that are out there. I have one book that's already out, and the second one will be out uh, here in the early fall. Okay, what's the first one called? Uh, they're both Taming the Dragons of Change. The first one is a personal change, and the second one is about change in business and government. And that's the one that's at the editor right now, and I suspect it'll be out uh, in, in late September or early October. And you can get information on that at www.dickstieglitz.com. Okay, Dick, so let's talk for a second. We have about three and a half minutes before a commercial, then we're going to continue. Okay. To talk about the word change. Why is change harder than we think? Uh, the system that Washington has is actually biased against change. The way we structured the Constitution uh, with two houses in Congress and the president, and then, of course, the judicial gets involved every once in a while, too, it makes change happen slowly. That might have worked in the 1700s, but our world is changing too fast these days. Well, it seems like, you know, it seems very often that when you, I mean, it's sort of like Washington's in the malaise. I mean, the average Joe out there looks at Washington and says, these guys are doing nothing, and ladies are doing nothing. Mm -hmm. They can't get anything accomplished. We know we have an energy problem. We know we need more oil. We know we need more energy. We know we need to do something. And yet, when I listen to what's being done, you have to, you have to weep because nothing gets done. Uh, very little gets done. They they keep looking for compromises, and, and compromise, uh, frankly, doesn't work because real change is, is both letting go of the old and embracing the new. And when I compromise with you, Rich, I'm not letting go of the old. I'm just giving up part of it so I can get something from you. So compromise in the long term doesn't work. Collaboration works. So when you listen to a campaign... Uh, and Hillary jumped on that. It was brilliant that Obama uh, latched on to, uh, and he didn't do this at first. It was, you know, months into the campaign. All of a sudden, you saw the word change and hope. You know, all these uh, amorphic terms were floating around. We want change, and we want hope, and we want hope and change, and we're going to inspire, and you have the right to all. I mean, that's, people bought into that. He he was tuned into uh, Obama was tuned into what the American people wanted. There was one poll just a couple weeks ago. Uh, I think it was 82 percent of the American people are not satisfied with the way things are going, and they want change. And and he was and the you, first one to tap into that. Yeah, and and it was just brilliant because I think he, amongst other things, and we can talk about Mark Pell and his ability or not ability to do something with Hillary. But uh, uh, we did about an hour ago, I did a discussion of uh, 20s and 30s politics and religion and so forth. And 
I did a, uh, a discussion on Elmer Gantry and moving forward to the 40s, to Huey Long, and then moving forward now into what we have with Obama. And it seems like even back in the 20s and 30s in the Midwest, when you had the Elmer Gantries of the world in the tents, bringing hope and change and belief in something to people who were starving for hope and change and believing in something, that it really worked for those folks. And 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 when you look at the, the Huey Longs of the world from the 40 brackets and Louisiana and the Bible Belt and so forth, that he did the same thing to a degree until he became totally corrupt. And, and he was bringing out, you know, you people need hope and you need change. And it was, you know, very significant in terms of moving forward. It's almost as if people are, st when you say 82% are looking forward to that, people are starving for something. And, and it looks like that this word really summarizes it for them. Yes, but certainly change is uh, not a new uh, campaign buzzword like uh, you just went through. And, and things really these days, though, are pretty intensely uh, not going our way. We have the gas prices. We have out the, you know, offshoring jobs. We have the war. There's lots of issues going on that affect our lives that we don't like what's happening. So, um, okay, so... We have to really package the word hope, or the words rather, hope and change, and we have to then come back and say, all right, now, what can, first we're saying that change is very difficult in Washington, and I agree with you. I mean, everyone panders to the crowd when they're running, and they say, oh, we're going to change this, and we're not going to have lobbyists, and we're not going to do this, and we're going to get off of oil. I mean, this, I remember hearing some of this stuff back in 73, you know, when, 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 uh, uh, OPEC first raised its ugly head, and people said, "Oh, we're going to make major changes, and you know, we're going to really, you know, all these great grandiose speeches." And as people were fighting, waiting for gasoline up north, I was up at, you know, in, in Syracuse at the time, uh, finishing school, and it was pretty dicey, you know, what was going on. But I think what we need to do is, and, and we, when we come back after the break, I want to pursue this. People okay. take the word hope and change, and how do you plug that into? How can you rate? How could you really cut through the unreality, the non-reality of a candidate running and really judge somebody? Because you're right. Yeah, I think you're, you're so right on. Washington does not like change. The status quo is, in fact, by definition, the status quo. And it doesn't happen. You know, it's, I, just, I can't believe for a minute that's going to happen overnight. Because people are so entrenched, are they not? They, they are very entrenched. That's a problem, and that's the challenge uh, the new president's going to have to face. Okay, so uh, we're going to come up on a break. We're going to make a few bucks. Dick, please stay there. Uh, we're on the phone with Dick Stiglitz, and this is Rich Roffin on the Rich Roffin Show on 1360 WKAT. We're going to be right back, and we're going to give you the truth about hope and change. In today's volatile investing environment, you need a valued and trusted partner who can build and sustain your financial security. You have that partner in the investment firm of Investor Solutions. Named on Bloomberg's list of top wealth managers and by Barron's as one of the top 100 best independent financial advisors in the country, Investor Solutions specializes in wealth management along with the full range of retirement planning and fiduciary services for high net worth individuals and their families, charitable foundations and organizations, business firms, trust endowments, and other institutional entities. Call 
Call at 800-508-8500 now for a no-obligation, honest, professional assessment of your current portfolio. That's 1-800-508-8500 or go to InvestorSolutions.com for more information. Pizza Fusion, America's greenest restaurant, is now open in Weston, saving the earth one pizza at a time. Pizza Fusion serves a gourmet and organic menu of pizza, focaccia sandwiches, wraps, desserts, beer, and wine. All Pizza Fusion items are served in their purest form, untainted by the artificial additives such as sweeteners, pesticides, preservatives, and hormones. Enjoy our fresh salads, breads, dips, wraps, and pizzas. All mates order upon your requests with specialty toppings like goat cheese, Key West shrimp, wild lobster, spinach, eggplant, feta cheese, and more. It's all organic, natural, and delicious at Pizza Fusion. Come in today to Pizza Fusion at 2378 Weston Road in Weston and build your own pizza. Call 954-641-5353 for more information. Pizza Fusion in Weston. Saving the earth one pizza at a time. No name is more synonymous with success than Miami Dolphins owner H. Wayne Heisinger, architect of three Fortune 500 companies, including AutoNation and Blockbuster. This renowned entrepreneur has brought his unique business approach to the classroom with the Heisinger School of Business at Nova Southeastern University. With a faculty of real-world leaders and a curriculum based on Heisinger's entrepreneurial ideals, the Heisinger School of Business offers the rare opportunity to learn the ropes from someone who's climbed their way to the very top. Apply now at nova.edu slash business. Do you own a business outsourcing your accounting? Then call the accounting and tax experts at TNJ Tax Service. For over 30 years, TNJ Tax Service has been preparing taxes for South Florida companies and individuals. As enrolled agents with the Internal Revenue Service, the pros at TNJ Tax Service can represent you or your company professionally to the IRS. Have challenges with your company's bookkeeping? Then call TNJ Tax Services. QuickBooks certified. TNJ Tax Services can provide training on QuickBooks for any small business. If you need monthly or quarterly bookkeeping services to handle all of your payroll and business needs, then you need to call. TNJ Tax Service, located at Taft and Flamingo in the Pillbox Plaza. Call 954-432-1700. 954-432-1700. TNJ Tax Services. No one covers local, national, and world news like Rich Rothman. And no one covers local, national, and world shipping like DHL. DHL. Customer service is back in shipping. Fresh talk with a South Florida flavor. This is the Rich Rothman Show on 1360 WKAT. Thank all of you for your time, your suggestions, your encouragement, and your prayers. And I look forward to continuing our conversation in the weeks and months to come. Hey, B. Okay, a little bit of Obama there. What was that, Wanda? Crush on Obama. Crush on Obama, right. We're going to have to get back to that later. Get back to that with the I want to get back to Dick. Part. I want to talk to Dick Stiglitz. We're on the phone with Dick right now. I'm right here. And he's here. Now, let me ask you a question. You talk about this change quotient. What's the change quotient? How do you well, use that? Being an engineer, I like to reduce things to numbers. So uh, what I've done is I, I looked at all the presidents uh, in my experience, uh, and the two that were most effective at accomplishing change were Johnson, who was uh, a 20-year insider when he became president. He was pretty powerful in the state. 
he was he was powerful in the state, and then he was powerful here in in Washington. What would he doesn't get didn't get credit for a lot. He was actually Eisenhower's right hand man in getting the highway program through. Interesting that a Republican president yep. leaned on a Democrat to get his program through. That's it. I didn't know that. I know we didn't like Jack Kennedy too much. Uh, no. <laughs> the other president who was very effective was Reagan. Oh yeah, and everyone everyone loved outsider. Reagan evidently. Yeah, he was an outsider. So it really isn't whether you're an insider or an outsider uh, that determines whether you can make change. In my experience, when I looked at those two two presidents, they have each of them had a vision for what the changes they wanted to make, and they were real clear on on what they wanted to have happen. Uh, they used the bully pulpit of the presidency to make it happen. They they put together a coalition of relationships to make it happen. They were both good communicators, and and then they stuck to that program until it was done. So execution. So I've, I've, I've scored uh, Obama and, and McCain and, and, and Hillary also, if we want to talk about that, in the relative to their vision and their ideas, their yeah. relationships and the coalitions they form, and their ability to execute. And how did they come out? Uh, I, I score 79 for Obama and 25, 75 for McCain. Out of 100? Out of 100. All right. Clinton being, uh, uh, she scored 58. Obama scores real well in the relationships category, his ability to, to put coalitions together, and his messages, the way he recognizes other points of view. See, let me, let me hang on for a second. Let me just talk on that point. I noticed that, first of all, I agree with you. I think Obama has the, the magic. Now, I remember seeing Jack Kennedy when I was a kid, and yeah. i got to tell you, I, I have never seen... Oh, my God. I mean, I saw him, I grew up in New York City. And I remember him speaking on the corner of 20th Street and 1st Avenue one afternoon. That place went nuts for that guy. He was young. He was good-looking. The women were excited. The men were inspired. Uh, tremendous, tremendous opportunity. I see that in the discussions that Obama has in, 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 in many, many areas, including when he goes into a semi-hostile environment that he has to overcome. For example, he just did it in Boca. Yes. He did it in a, in a, in a, in the, uh, in the, uh, the Jewish community in Boca, who had a lot of concern about his, uh, comments that he made, that he would speak with, uh, Ahmadinejad, uh, without preconditions. Which, you know, when you take that a step farther and extrapolate, that means that you may not be as pro-Israel, or at least deeply pro-Israel, as other candidates may or may not be, depending on what they're saying. And that's a matter of great concern to them, of course. Yeah, well, yeah, duh. So, but you know what? He I, he turned that crowd around. Mm-hmm. I mean, and he did it at, at the at the meeting the other day for the at the convention, uh, the Jewish convention that was held that Hillary was at as well. And 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 when you look, and we we talked about this an hour ago, that when you sit, look at the faces of people who listen, you know what? You're right. He's got that ability. He's got this innate ability to speak. Now, when he speaks with with a pre-written speech, he doesn't speak extemporaneously well. But when he speaks with a speech, I think he's phenomenal. He's pretty good. He's got the, the lines down pat. You know, in uh, a previous interview, somebody asked me where I would rank Kennedy in in this group. Yeah, that's a good question. Where would you rank Kennedy? Uh, very high. Uh, I was not working with the federal government when when President Kennedy was uh, was shot. Uh, actually, I started right after that during the Johnson administration. I think that President Johnson got a lot of the credit for what uh, President Kennedy, who you know wasn't president three years, or was it two years and, and, and nine? Yeah, years. very short. Uh, I think that President Johnson actually got the credit 
for things that President Kennedy started with the charisma that you've described. Well, I, I think Johnson, I mean, if you talk about the civil rights movement, something that Hillary brought up, and she really did quote history, uh, uh, Kennedy was working on that, was he not, with Bobby? Yes. I mean, that was a big push. I remember Bobby, I remember Bobby talking, pardon the redundancy, talking about it a lot. And I think that Kennedy picked that up after John was shot and made sure that the civil rights movement was passed in 64. Do you realize this is the 40th anniversary? Today is the 40th anniversary of Bobby Kennedy being assassinated? Yes. When we started the show, uh, we, we did a, a redux on that, and we went and, and we uh, played the speech that he gave minutes before he was shot. Remember that one at the ambassador? I do. Do you remember where you just now that you said that, Dick, do you know where you were in 68 when that happened? Uh, not in 68. No, I don't remember exactly where I was when I heard the news of, uh, of Bobby Kennedy being shot. I know where I was when President Kennedy was, sh- was shot. Yeah, I, I know where I was for that, too. It's amazing that that time period, uh, we sound like we're, we're from the same generation. Uh, that I'm, Well, I may be older than you. I'm 60. I don't know who old I'm you. I'm 63. All right, so we're, we're about the same. Yeah, that's close enough. That's close enough. Um, our generation really were, was impacted dramatically by by these people we were actually if you think about it this is what a great environment for you to to uh to kind of acculturate where you went ultimately by doing this uh discussion that we listened to some of the best orders of our time bobby kennedy was very good jack was terrific you know uh and uh johnson was very very good uh we had incredibly strong political who uh king Oh my God, Martin Luther King! I mean, is there any? If you, how would you rate that? Particularly when he gave that speech, I may not get there. We played that on the anniversary of of his death, and I got to tell you, I almost had tears in my eyes because that's probably one of the most powerful speeches I ever heard in my life. Uh, me too, even to this day, and that's what I mean by the ideas portion and the vision. He he created a vision for for what the, our working together could look like uh, so would you would you rate obama pretty much up there with jack kennedy for that factor the 79 points well, the charisma yes he's kind of a a, a marriage if you would between uh, president kennedy and president reagan too he inspires oh. grassroots support that's reminiscent of president reagan let's talk about reagan for a minute and and what did you rate him at uh, I, I read him equal to johnson equal to johnson yes and he was he ranked very high because of his execution. Remember, in the first hundred days he was president, we had that incident here at, at Washington National Airport where he fired all the traffic controllers. Absolutely, he threatened Everybody them. They didn't pay attention. He fired them. He, he, he fired them, and, and he took and a lot of heat for that. Consequences, and everybody said, "Whoa, we got to take this guy serious." Yes, and you know what? I think it had far-reaching effect. Because it also taught the Russians, and I read this in, in my in my the books I've been reading about about the Cold War and the submarines, that the fact that Reagan did that really let the Russians know: don't screw with this guy. This guy is either nuts or he's serious as can be. Exactly, you and, know, and he says what he means. Washington, uh, for internal matters too. Yeah, he, he says what he means, and he means what he says. And you know what? If he says he's going to do it, he'll do it. He'll do it. So, all right, so so. Now let's come back to the present present scenario. So rating, now we've got McCain's down to the two, and we haven't figured out who they're going to choose yet. I'm kind of interested in your thoughts on that. On the, but, the VP side? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to get there in a second. Okay. But, but now we've got McCain, and now we have – and McCain, you said, is pretty close to 70. He was, what, 74? Uh, McCain was 75 to 79 for, for Obama. 
75 to 79 for Obama. Obama. Where's the shortfall, McCain? On the execution side. Uh, I'm sorry, I interrupted you. Forgive me. Okay. Uh, on the execution side is where Obama loses a few points. Interesting. Much equal on the idea side. Obama has the uh, clear edge in the relations side, but uh, McCain has a somewhat of an edge on getting things done, a track well, record of getting things exactly. done. Exactly. I think you just defined it yourself right there. He has a notable track record. It's a recordable track record, so maybe that's where your execution factor comes in. Yes, that is the execution factor, the ability to get things done. And, and, and both President Johnson and, and President Reagan stuck to just a few things. You can't change the whole world. Just pick the, what is the vision, and we're going to change that. Okay. So, now having said that, <laughs> I want to go back to the Veeps. I want your opinion on this. Uh, and, and this is purely Dick's opinion. He's, he's not putting it out there for reality, folks. But choosing a VP, what would happen? Do you think it would improve or hurt him if you chose uh, Hillary? I think it would hurt a lot. Yeah, I think so, too. I think so. I think there are a lot of Democrats that would like to see that. But I can't imagine, I can't understand how we could put a Clinton there, considering how, what they, what his background folks, you know, Axelrod and others, really think of the Clinton folks. Well, there's, there's two reasons. First of all, I think his credibility as an agent of change would be diminished by putting in Hillary, who, who of course, her campaign uh, stump was experience. Experience right. sounds a whole lot like things are going to be like they used to be. So I think he would lose his credibility as a change agent if he if he picked Hillary. And, of course, those two camps, as you started uh, down that path, there's no love lost uh, between those two camps, and it hasn't gotten better with the way Hillary handled this past weekend. No, so I, I think that's very problematic. Now, McCain, and we talked about this earlier before you were on the show, and I have, to, and let me just say it because the public knows how I feel about this. I, I am, I lean towards the Republican group, um, and I have been very pro Obama because I've been upset with a lot of things and the, the way he handles it. I've been upset with the amorphic concepts and, and just what you're talking about. What do you mean by change? What do you mean by hope? You know, I, just don't give me these these rash statements where we're going to have hope and we're going to have change and the world's going to be better and we're going to sing Kumbaya. I don't buy into that at all. However, however, I will say that uh, there are opportunities out there right now, and, and I think that these words make a, an awful lot of sense as we move forward. So, On the Republican side, I think the, uh, McCain has an interesting choice. I, I view the leading candidates as Huckabee and, and Romney. Uh, Romney, of course, would be strong when the economy becomes an issue, and, and Huckabee brings the, uh, the Republican right with values. Yeah, very value-driven uh, individual. At least he's had this reputation. Well, it, it also, you know, this is where McCain's got to make up those four or five or six points somehow. Yes. Because when you look at his, I was going to get it to before. I and I, I put Obama up, and I look at McCain, and I watch their speeches. I look Obama, and I got to tell you, he inspires me. I listen to him, and the guy is phenomenal. Yeah. I look at McCain, and remember, I'm coming from a Republican side. And I gotta tell you, I think he has a problem. Because when he, just his stature, when he stands there versus Obama, he really stands like an older man. Reagan didn't stand that way. Reagan, although he was an older man, and he was in his 80s when he left, but he really had a sense of, of uh, strength that I just remember seeing that all the time. He was a, even when he gets shot. He looks strong. Well, it's interesting. He, as his, if you watched any of his old movies, he came across as being strong and confident. Even his old movies, 
and and uh, McCain's first uh, appearance on the on the stage of public opinion was with uh, President Nixon when he was released and he weighed I, I think literally 97 pounds. Right. So uh, I so think that I has been been widely distributed recently. I think given what we're talking about I think McCain needs to make some points based upon your quotient scale and he better pick the right person to join him to do that. Yes. And I'm not sure who that's going to be. I, I really I I don't know who that's going to be. I, any thoughts? What, who do you think? Well, I, I think it's between Huckabee and Romney. My personal uh, opinion is it's Romney because uh, I think the economy is the number one issue. The the war in Iraq is getting better. We've got to wind it down. We've got to get our troops out. We've got to reduce the amount of money it's costing. Well, everyone really wants that. They may not say it right now, but it's. It, I think it's manifest that we do that. It, it's it's going to happen no matter yeah, who, who I agree. wins. It's and nobody happen. wants to lose. Better. Nobody, Democrat or Republican, wants to be a loser. Of course. I mean, nobody. I don't think anybody wants that. You may not want to be there, but nobody wants to look like you're cutting and running in, in, uh, in sort of like Vietnam situation. That was just yeah. awful. It uh, was. But all right, let's go back to this for a minute. But I yeah, agree with you. I think Romney might be a great choice. Uh, yes, because I think the economy is, is while the war is getting better, the economy is getting worse. So the gas prices went up, what, seven cents last week around this area? Let's, let me tell you something. Uh, where I live, which is East Fort Lauderdale, as the crowd knows down here, my gasoline went up 23 cents in one day. 23 one day. cents. Wow. And it went from 4.05 to uh, 4.29. About that. That was the ratio. I may be off by a penny or two. But that's what it went to in one day. I, I, I couldn't believe it. And I said, thank God I filled up in the morning. I'll never see that gas again for that price. Because <laughs> holy Christ, this is unbelievable. I can't believe, but you know what? Let's let's go to let's go to Romney for a minute, and let's do your quotient factor. How do you rate what Romney getting out there on the bully pulpit? Uh, I think that Huckabee rates higher on the bully pulpit pulpit uh, in terms of the the his ability to speak and draw people. Interesting. Than Romney does. Why do you? Uh, that's interesting. I'm, I'm uh, very that's intrigued by that. From having uh, heard both of them speak uh, uh, in in a public appearance, I don't know either of them uh, firsthand. That's my impression. Romney comes across as as solid and knowledgeable, and uh, Huckabee comes across as inspirational, more inspirational, not in the category with Obama. Well, yeah, given his background, I mean, he has a theological background, and and yes, it comes through, and I and I think that's, you know, that's well, that's the Bible Belt, it's the buckle of the Bible Belt mentality that that comes through, and and this Midwestern, you know, uh, theme of. Um, uh, down-home religion and belief in oneself and uh, whatever. But I, I just thought, yes, I agree with you on that. I think, I think you could probably take a crowd and, and get it very, very excited and make them feel good about themselves. Exactly. On the other hand, Romney is a, is a really smart businessman. He is. You know, he has a good track record in Massachusetts. I, he does have that. I, I have a partner up at Harvard and um, in the Harvard Business School, and he just swears by, by Romney. Actually, he thought he was going to get nominated for the republicans it didn't work out that way no but now we got the time that's left we only have a couple minutes left let's talk about uh, your new book that's coming out and and what people will get out of that and uh first of all when's it going to be available i expect it'll be late september and these things somehow always uh, manage to be a little bit late so let's say october 1st so in time they can they can get this in time for the holiday season absolutely and they can give it and what are they going to get out of the book uh the book has some uh tips 10 tips on how to thrive in a globally connected economy. And that's what's making things change 
faster than we can keep up with. Uh, uh, sticking to the economy, I, I recently came back from a trip to India, and it's amazing what's happening over there. First trip? Uh, my first trip to India ever, yes. My first trip have you been to China? Have you been to China? I have not been to China. But you should have gone while you were there, because it would have been easier than <laughs> doing it again. We've been to China. And I've not been to India. And so well, what was your impression when you talk about Indian globalization? Uh, booming. Amazing, isn't it? Booming. And I have a customer of, of mine, uh, do consulting work with him, and, and he outsources his architect, he outsources his architecture work to India, and he pays $25,000 a year for an architect in India that would cost him $100,000 here. And, and the city would be Mumbai, maybe? Uh, yes. Yeah, I, I I have friends in Mumbai who uh, own and run the World Trade Center Association in in Mumbai. So, but isn't it amazing? So this global thing that you're talking about. So your book will actually help people deal with uh, uh, the the global environment that we're in. To to thrive in that kind of environment, the world is going to change. It's unavoidable. Right. And and we need to make change an ally and kind of anticipate and push change in the directions we want to go and be agents of change ourselves. To be successful in business, what is the next bubble? Well, that's a and, that's and a terrific question. The next bubble, instead of being there when it bursts. And also, don't be afraid of a the the shifting that's occurring. Don't be afraid of globalization. There's no going back. I hate to no say it to anyone out there saying, "Well, we're gonna we're gonna kill these treaties and we're gonna change NAFTA and we're not gonna pass the Colombian Free Trade Act," which is stupid. We have to pass it. But you know what? Globalization is a fact of life. Now the question is. And you just asked that yourself. What's the next bubble? How can I take part of this global process? Where do I fit in? And how do I make it succeed for me? Exactly. Did I, did I encapsulate some of the stuff and you're going to do? That's the way uh, Taming the Dragons of Change in, in business. That's the street that goes down. In, in helping 10 tips for actually doing that in your career, either on a personal basis or for those people who are leaders of organizations, how they take their organizations and position their organizations to be successful in, in such a dynamic environment. Okay, I've got about 40 seconds left with you, and I'm enjoying this, Dick. I want you to know that. Uh, how, do they, how do people reach you? Now, obviously, they, you have clients all over the place. Uh, I do. So how do they reach you? The best way is through the website at www.dickstiglitz.com. Yeah. And there's all sorts of information there, and you can email me through that site, and there's a blog, a blog there to uh, give me your opinions, too. That's the best way. And, and the book that's out in the stores right now, the, the one that's out there now is entitled? Taming the Dragons of Change. Yeah. Ten Tips for Achieving Success and Happiness When Everything Around You is Changing. It's nope. about personal change. Where do they get that book? best way to get that is Amazon uh, Online or Barnes & Noble yep. or Borders Online. Excellent. Excellent. And the new one will be out this fall sometime. This fall. And, and they can get it and they can on the website. get multiple copies and hand them out because it's going to be very important. And what's going to be interesting, we're going to have to get you back in a, in a few weeks and we're going to see where this whole... You know what I'd like to do? I want to get you back on the show when we when they pick their Veeps. Uh, I'd love to. Can and we'll let, let's do a quick analysis of, their, of the VP candidates. Okay. That'll be a lot of fun. Dick, it's been so good having you on the show. Thank you for being with us. We appreciate the time you took. My pleasure, Rich. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks. Interesting, Wanda. Uh-huh. You know? Full so, of information. Well, you know what? But he's, I, I got to tell you, I, you know, and you know me, I've been pretty hard on Obama, haven't I? Yes, you have. I know. I've been really hard on him, but I got to tell you. And, and, I'm, and I've been a Republican, and I, I'm still, you know, in the McCain guy. But I got to tell you, 
McCain really better have some good advisors right now. And, and I agree with what Dick just said. I think that deficit is right there. He's got a, about a four, five, six-point deficit right now in public stature against Obama in the sense of relating to people because Obama can really grab them. And you're going to need people to vote. You need a lot of people to vote, kid. <laughs> yeah. you know? Are we done? We're done. Yeah, we're done for the day. We're we'll done for tomorrow. the day. Well, we're going to be back tomorrow. We've got some great stuff for you tomorrow, including Joyce Elam from FIU. we got Neil Asbury and the Asbury Report. Am I missing anybody? Doug Evans. And we got Doug Evans, and Doug is doing what? From South, Classical South Florida Radio. I know. There's a new classical station. Yeah. Yay! Yeah. Coming to Miami and South Florida. We're going to see you tomorrow. This is Rich Rothman and Wanda Miles. On the Rich Rothman Show, 1360, you all come back tomorrow at 4 o'clock. We'll be back tomorrow for more of the good. You make me want to be a better man. The bad. I think this is where everything finishes up. This may be at the end of the line. The business. Good night, Adolfo. Good night, proud looker. This is the Rich Rothman Show. You know where I'm spending my next romantic evening out with my wife? At Biltmore Carl Gables Miami, a golf and spa resort. Maybe we'll start the evening with a five-star dinner at the newly opened Fontana Ristorante, enjoying their authentic Italian cuisine prepared by renowned chef Gaetano Accione. Or perhaps we'll dine at the acclaimed Palm d'Or restaurant. Zagat called Palm d'Or one of the best restaurants in the country. South Florida's best restaurants are at the Biltmore Carl Gables Miami. On Thursday after dinner, we could really enjoy Biltmore Unplugged. Live jazz music poolside at the Cascade Bar and Grill. Fine food and live jazz is awaiting your next romantic evening at Biltmore Carl Gables Miami, a golf and spa resort. Visit www.biltmorehotel.com for more information or call them at 1-800-747-1926 for reservations. The perfect night out is at Biltmore Carl Gables Miami, a golf and spa resort. You gotta be here for Marlins Super Saturday, June 7th, featuring a post-game concert with Willie Chirino, following a fireworks spectacular presented by Bank of America. Be here as your Marlins battle the Reds at 710. Get a Marlins seatbelt cover presented by Florida Click It or Ticket and the Marlins Cowbell, courtesy of Majestic Athletic. Come early and party at the Strike Zone with music, autograph sessions, and more. Marlins Super Saturday, June 7th, with Willie Chirino. You gotta be here. Call 1-877-MARLINS. The preceding program was a paid advertisement. The opinions expressed within were not necessarily those of the staff or management of 1360 WKAT. I'm proud of this community, and I don't even live here. I'm a state-licensed community association manager, making this community the best that it can be. I hire the best contractors to make sure properties are clean and well-kept so that your neighbors want to live in this community. Make sure you have a state-licensed community association manager. Ask your board. Visit MyFloridaLicense.com today. This message is brought to you by the Florida Department of Business and Professional Regulation, the Florida Association of Broadcasters, and this radio station. Since 1959, the Hess Conservatory of Music has been South Florida's first choice for piano, voice, and guitar lessons for children and adults of every age. Under the direction of former child prodigy and Juilliard Scholarship awardee Dr. Jay Hess, the Hess Conservatory of Music in South Miami boasts a highly trained, experienced, and degreed staff of professional instructors, offers day and nighttime private lessons, and serves Dade, Broward, and Monroe counties. Whether you're 6 or 60 plus, the Hess Conservatory of Music believes it 
it's never too early or too late to learn to sing or play an instrument, and you'd be surprised at how easy it is. For your first free piano, guitar, or voice lesson, call 305-668-9685. For quality professional music lessons to enhance the quality of your life, call the Hess Conservatory of Music right now at 305-668-9685 and arrange for your first free lesson. See their ad in the yellow pages under Music and call 305-668-9685. 1360 WKAT, North Miami, the talk of the town. 1360 WKAT.